In 2016, an interview with Charleston Mayor Joe Riley, he told me that he placed a note in the breast pocket of his suit every day, and written on the note were the words, build the museum. He said of all the buildings, bridges, and ballparks built during his 40-year career as mayor, constructing a museum that would tell the story of the transatlantic slave trade was the most important to him. For 23 years, that vision has been coming into focus. After centuries of being buried, history is alive. Yes, my Lord, Millions of enslaved men, women, and children captured in Africa, chained and shackled during the journey across the Atlantic Ocean. Between 40 and 48% of all enslaved Africans that came to what is now the United States would have come through this very spot. This very spot is Gadsden's Wharf. The executive director of the International African American Museum says stories that originated in Africa are finally being told. This is a place that tells story of trauma, but this is also a place that tells stories of joy. Dr. Tanya Matthews says the idea of the International African American Museum took root when Charleston's longest serving mayor read the book, Slaves in the Family by Edward Ball. It was 1998, I read the book Slaves in the Family written by Edward Ball and, and through the book then I, I learned for the first time the, the harshness and the challenge and the brutality. More enslaved human beings were brought here to the site than any other place in North America. We have to build a museum. Joseph Riley read a book that changed his life. And out of that transformation, he decided that Charleston needed to be telling the story of African-American history and was discovering that we could tell it like no one else could. Two years ago, Charleston Mayor Joe Riley gave us a tour of the museum as it was being built. And it's lifted up in, in reverence of what happened here. As we walk between the 18 columns that raised the building off the ground where enslaved Africans died, Mayor Riley explained that every detail from bricks to indigenous grasses were selected to showcase the lessons brought from West Africa that shape who we are and how we live. Building the physical beauty of it, the material, the design. Dr. Matthews explains the central idea behind the museum that now stretches across 45,000 square feet is that this will be an evolving institution centered on truth. Let's talk about this space. Why was it so important that this museum happened here on this particular site? The museum has the humbling uh, privilege and responsibility of reclaiming a portion of Gadsden's Wharf. So Gadsden's Wharf is one of our nation's most prolific former uh, transatlantic slave trading sites. Local, state, and national leaders broke ground on the International African American Museum in 2019. And now four years later, as history is being revealed, 
there are many people to thank for being caretakers of the dream. I think there are a lot of thanks involved. There are thanks from the very, very beginning, of course, to, to Mayor Riley and those who entertained his ridiculous idea of building the second largest African-American history museum in the country in Charleston. Um, Congressman Jim Clyburn, who stood there in the beginning, um, board members, advisors, and then, of course, we have donors and, and contributors, right? Unfunded hope is a dream. And so we, we've had a lot of folks who have invested in the project um, and uh, those who invested before they knew it was certain and those who invested once they saw it was certain and important and simply needed to be bigger and and more powerful. One of the things that we can do as a First Voice Museum, an African-American museum telling African-American stories, is we can put that period in context and recognize that this period of slavery is neither the beginning nor the end of our story, but it's an important part in the middle. The International African-American Museum is the second largest museum dedicated to African-American history and culture in America. Standing on Gadsden's Wharf, the place where nearly half of all enslaved people were brought to North America, the museum is expected to fuel the Low Country's economic engine. So how will you measure the museum's success? Obviously, we're going to have our economic impact studies, and obviously we're going to be looking at our ability to fundraise. But we also want to look at, say, our member role. Not because folks pay to be members, but because that's the number of people who raise their hand to say, we stand with the International African American Museum. The CEO of Explore Charleston, Helen Hill, says in part, the International African American Museum stands poised to be a transformative force in the Charleston economy. Let's talk about some of the delays, some of the challenges that you face in getting the museum open. I think in retrospect, um, as I think about our delays in context, it's extraordinary that we broke ground in late 2019 and then the world turned upside down. Uh, for a good two years or so, and we find ourselves here uh, in 2023. Some of those delays were our commitment to get this absolutely right. Um, and I, I hope and I expect that when folks walk into the museum, they won't say, wow, I can't believe it took so long. They'll say, oh my, how do they get it done so quickly? And when she describes what they did inside of the museum, she directs our attention to interactive technology in every gallery, on every wall, and atop every table. She says the museum's mission is to help visitors connect with history. So, now imagine doing it eight hours a day. The International African American Museum, designed to be a special place where people will engage with artifacts and exhibits and information in a unique way, in this place where history is alive. Dr. Tanya Matthews, the museum's chief executive officer, says the story is layered and complex, so telling its history is done carefully. We have um, several galleries trying to sort of tell the African-American journey in context. Dr. Matthews took us on a tour through the 46,000 square foot structure, showing and telling us why this museum will be a voice for untold and forgotten stories. So when you first walk into the building, you'll see the transatlantic experience. The transatlantic gallery consists of eight digital screens telling stories, showing images from ancient civilizations in Africa to modern times. 
You come through that gallery and then you end up in the Gullah Geechee Gallery. I would argue that every American History Museum should have a little bit of Gullah. And there is a lot of Gullah in the Gullah Geechee Gallery, a scaled down praise house filled with the sounds of spirituals and the beloved Charleston handclap. A bateau commissioned by the museum sits broadly in the center of this space. You go from there to African roots and routes, making a nice connection. Dr. Matthew says the International African American Museum has two ways of thinking and delivering content. One is origin stories. We go back to 300 BCE. We talk about the fact that human rice cultivation was recorded on the continent of Africa that far back. The African Roots and Routes Gallery highlights modern African diasporic connections. And then you lead that vibrant and alive gallery to enter one of our smallest and probably most powerful galleries. That is the Port of Departure. It's a very simple gallery and it just contains names and ages of people who were enslaved. From top to bottom and side to side, the names of enslaved adults and children obtained from recorded court cases. The Port of Departure Gallery has a sister gallery, the Port of Arrival. There are still names, but these names are very American given. Uh, and these names come from our own records um, of plantations here in the Low Country. In between these two galleries is the Atlantic World Gallery. So the Atlantic World's Gallery is a mashup of African diasporic culture. You've got Haiti, Sierra Leone, Charleston, New Orleans, all of these places mixed up together. And part of what we're doing is making this deliberate connection. The Atlantic World Gallery also explains why Charleston, why this port, why Gadsden's Wharf was so important in the transatlantic slave trade. Looking out the windows, the Atlantic Ocean, the connection that brought millions of enslaved people to Charleston. Once you leave the Atlantic World's Gallery, then you step into Carolina Gold. One of the things that differentiates the International African American Museum is that this museum tells the story of slavery through rice cultivation. Many of us learn the story through cotton, but we talk about how this Carolina gold was the cash crop here in the Low Country, ultimately making Charleston the richest city in all of the colonies. Dr. Matthew says it wasn't just the labor, it was the knowledge, the know-how, and then the innovation of enslaved Africans that contributed to the wealth of the colonists. As you come out of Carolina Gold, you will enter Carolina Connections. Dr. Matthew says many of the stories associated with African-American history in this country has origins in South Carolina, like the desegregation of America's schools. As we walk through the American Journeys Gallery. This is actually from the 1800s. Dr. Matthews explained this gallery includes modern touches of technology and contemporary art. 1400s all the way up to modern time. It's a giant U-shaped gallery, includes artifacts, also includes modern oral histories of folks that I think um, people here in the Low Country will recognize telling their own stories uh, of today. Finally, the Center for Family History. The Center for Family History is the size of one of our largest galleries, um, where we'll be staffed with genealogists and ancestry researchers to help anyone who's interested in learning a little bit more about their great, great, great grands uh, and the stories that they have to tell as well.
and beneath the museum. Our gardens are collectively referred to as the African Ancestors Memorial Garden. It was designed by a landscape architect uh, by the name of Walter Hood and everything is intentional. We have um, a black granite wall exhibition to help us honor and tell the story of a former storage house. But again, it's both trauma and joy and that um, installation includes not only hunched figures that represent those we lost, but excerpts from Maya Angelou's poem, And Still I Rise. Dr. Matthew says this tidal tribute pool is a place for reverence and reflection. The waters in the pool are powered by a pumping system that raises and lowers the water with the tide. And at the bottom of that pool is an art installation of, of water, but also people, human figures, reminiscent of the way that Africans were packed into the bottom of slave ships. Um, right there on the edge, you're looking at this pool and the Atlantic Ocean simultaneously. Our east yard and our west yard can hold hundreds of folks, and so we're just really excited excited about the kind of planning and gathering and, and I don't know, performing, cooking demonstrations uh, that we could actually have in that space as well. After two decades of planning, the purpose is realized. The International African American Museum tells the stories of how Africans and African Americans used intelligence, ingenuity, and insight to shape every aspect of the world. History is alive at the International African American Museum. Um, and of course, at the end of the day, I want an experience that compels you to tell someone else that you need to experience this. And can I go with you when you do? Because I've got to go back. From idea to opening, it has taken two decades to get to the opening of the International African American Museum. We take you to the heart of Charleston and inside this place where history is alive. I want visitors to see a little bit of themselves, no matter what your background, no matter what your journey. Um, this is, is our story, and I'm just very excited to learn what people take from what they learn inside the museum. this episode of Let's Talk. Let's Talk is produced by Eric Johnson. I'm the host, Carolyn Murray. We welcome your comments and advice on our podcast, so please write a review and share the link with others. Thanks again for listening to Let's Talk. Goodbye until the next time.